Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may we want your plans more than anything else. When you tell us to go, may we go. May we be obedient. When you tell us to stay, may we stay. When you tell us to stay away from something or move towards something, God, I just pray for obedience. I pray for the faith to be strong, to do the things, to step forward in faith in a way that doesn't even make sense to us, but we trust you. Lord, I pray that we would want to be as close to you as we possibly can be. And so, Lord, I pray that something was said today as we open up your word that would inspire us, that would challenge us to draw closer to you so that we would want your plans more than any small plan that we could ever come up with for ourselves. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for some of you who haven't been around here for a long time or you're just brand new to the church, you probably don't know that Sagebrush started as a little startup church at Petroglyph Elementary School. We sat up and we tore down at Petroglyph for about 10 months, and then we moved to LBJ Middle School where we set up and we tore down. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you're renting from somebody else, you are at the beck and call of when they'll allow you to rent and when they want you to be gone. And every August, they would kick us out of the school for two straight weekends. So we were always looking for another alternative space. And so we're sitting there, we're thinking, what are we going to do this August when we get kicked out for two weeks? Now, the reason we got kicked out was because they wanted to redo all of the floors, make those floors look pristine for the middle school kids and for the teachers. Of course, the middle school kids trashed those floors in less than 24 hours. It never made any sense to me why they even cared about it at all. So our job is to find another spot. So we're sitting there in the staff meeting, and I said, where do you think we should go? And uh, one of them said, let's go to Mariposa Park. It was right there by LBJ. I said, that's a great idea. Let's go, to, let's go to Mariposa Park. So we called the Parks Commission, and someone had already rented the park. So we said, well, that's not going to work out for us. And someone had the idea. They said, well, why don't we do it on Saturday night? We, we can have a, a big cookout with hot dogs and such, and then afterwards we could have a service. And I said, well, I think that's a wonderful idea. Now, friends, this is August. Now, for those of you who are watching us from another part of the world, let me just say you don't want to really plan a nighttime or afternoon activity in August in Albuquerque because we have a little thing called monsoon season. And when the monsoons hit, they hit with intensity. I mean, the rain comes down, comes down sideways. There's thunder. There's lightning. You just don't want to plan an event. But the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I prayed and the staff prayed and the church prayed. Sure enough, that Saturday when we got out there, it was absolutely beautiful. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm looking around. I said, this is wonderful, Lord. You are so good to us. So I got into my car. We got to the park. I saw way off in the distance, over by the mountain, there was just a tiny little cloud that was forming. And I said to myself, I said, self, I said, yeah. I said, that's not good right there. And so I prayed a prayer. And I said, Lord, if you could just keep that cloud over on the east side of the mountain, we'd appreciate that so much. I got to the park. I didn't think anything of it. We were setting everything up. People were showing up. We're cooking hot dogs. People are having an awful lot of 
fun. It's a great time. But then I looked out over to the west and I saw a small cloud begin to form that looked like it was going to be a storm. And so I prayed again. I said, Lord, if there just be any way, you keep that cloud to the west. Keep that cloud to the east. Oh, I would appreciate that so much. And he did. He did. When we were having the picnic and having the time of our lives, there was a storm to the east of us. There was a storm to the west of us. And right above us was blue skies. And I remember thinking, God, you are so good. Well, about 15 minutes went by and the temperature began to drop. And I said to myself, I said, self, I said, yeah, I said, that's not good. Because I looked up in the sky and the blue had gone bye-bye. And it appeared that the two storms were converging right over Mariposa Park. You ever seen the movie Independence Day? Do you remember when the alien spacecraft came over right above the White House and then eventually this laser beam came and blew the White House from the face? That's what it was going to be like, you see. So I went before the people. I said, listen. I said, I'm so sorry, but you know, enjoy the hot dogs. Enjoy all the fun that you're having right now. But I don't think we can have a service. I, I just don't think it's safe enough. So finish your hot dog. Finish your drink. And we're just going to call it good. Now, now, money was tight. And so I said, listen, you know, money's tight in the church. We got the collection boxes over there. And I know we can't have service, but I need you to leave and leave your money behind. That's what I need you to do. And they laughed, and I said, I'm not joking. I really do. To keep the church afloat, this has to happen, okay? And so we began to put the equipment away. It took us about 15 minutes. People were still standing around, eating hot dogs, having a wonderful time. And then the storms, it hit. And I mean, it came down like I've never seen a storm in Albuquerque ever come down. I think we were the epicenter at that point. There was a bolt of lightning that hit the pond. Our, our friend, Joseph Fernandez, who was cooking the hot dogs, the fillings in his teeth melted. He was so close to this. So I turned around to the remaining people and I said, run! Run for your life! And they kept feeding their face with hot dogs. And I said, you, you got to be kidding me right now. And all of a sudden, the thunder crashed, and I threw myself to the ground in a puddle. And then another lightning bolt came down and blew up a tree. Now we got a tree on fire, and Joseph Fernandez's fillings are melting in his mouth, you see. And they're still eating hot dogs. I said to one family who was sitting there still eating hot dogs, I said, run to the wiener schnitzel. Run to the wiener schnitzel. Your life isn't worth a 10-cent hot dog. They kept going back to the table. So I had to run over, and I'm screaming. I said, get out of here. It's kind of dramatic, but I've been looking forward to doing that all week right there. They started picking up the hot dogs off the floor. People ask me from time to time, they say, hey, we're having an outdoor activity. Will you pray for us? You don't want me to pray. Because I found out that day I'm not in management. I'm in sales. Do you understand what I'm saying? I remember going home and I was absolutely, I just couldn't believe it. I sat there just as soaked as I could be. And I called out to God and I said, God, why? Why did you have two storms converge right over that park? And he never gave me an answer. 
And friends, I want you to know something. There's going to be things that happen in your life that just don't make any sense to you at all. And you're going to say to God, well, I don't understand. Always remember this. You're not there to pursue an answer. You're always there to pursue God. Remember that. The answer doesn't matter. Your pursuit of God is what matters. And that's what we're finding out with Elisha, aren't we? Elisha gets the cloak from Elijah if you were here last week. That means he's the next prophet that's in charge. He doesn't know what lies ahead. And so the next passage of scripture that we're looking at, several years have gone by. And now Elijah comes to Elisha and says, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go in to heaven. Now, Elijah has an interesting way in which he goes into heaven because he never died. There's only two people in the Bible that never tasted death. In the book of Genesis, there's a guy by the name of Enoch. It says that Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. God was so pleased with Enoch. He was so close with Enoch, he just took him up into heaven. And that's what's going to happen here with Elijah. Well, they have the following conversation. Let's look at it. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And this is what he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. Well, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Now that's amazing when you think about it. Wouldn't you love to have seen that? And that whole cloak thing's pretty cool, isn't it? He strikes the water and all of a sudden the water parts and he walks across on dry land. That would have been cool to see. But rather than us focusing in on that, I want you to focus on what Elisha asked. What does he want more than anything else? Elijah says, what do you want? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Friends, this is not some egotistical statement. This is not Elisha saying to Elijah, I want to be twice the prophet you are. I want to show you what it really is to be a prophet, represent. No, he's saying, I want, to be as, I want to be closer to God than anybody's ever been. I, I want to be used by God in such a way like no one else has ever been used by God. I want a double portion of your spirit, Elijah. I'm going to let you on a little secret that's really not much of a secret at all. You ready for this? You're as close to God as you've chosen to be today. Let that one soak in for a second. You feel like God's distant? Who do you think walked away? You feel like there's not a closeness between you and the Lord? What do you think happened with that? 
Because my goodness, we know that God desires a relationship with us. Look to all the things that he did to have that relationship with us. I mean, he gives his only son, dies on the cross, rises again from the dead, just so we can walk with him and talk with him and do life together with him. He's already extended his hand to friendship with us. He already wants to forgive us for all of our sins. He wants to move us from an enemy of God to a child of God. So here's the question. Are you close to the Lord? Because you're as close to him today as you've chosen to be. People say, well, how do I get close to God? Well, it's not rocket science, even though some of you are rocket scientists. It's not rocket science, to be honest with you, is it? How do you get close to anybody? In any relationship that you have, how do you get close to somebody? Well, the only way you can get close to somebody is by spending time with them. No one's ever said, hey, my best friend's a guy I haven't seen in 50 years. That's never happened one time. No, the people that you're closest to are, are the people that you hang out with, the people that you talk with. How's your prayer life? How often do you seek him? For many people, do you know the number one reason why you're not close to God? Because you never talk to him. And how can you be close to someone that you never talk to? And then for many of us, it's just not a priority to crack open the word of God. And yet the word of God is the primary way in which God speaks to us. But we got things to do. We got games on our phone to play, man. I mean, we, we got stuff going on in our life that's more important than cracking open the Word of God. If that's the primary way that God speaks to us, how can you be close to someone you never hear from? You see, for Elisha, he wants a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. And he'll put in the sweat equity to see that become a possibility because all he wants is a double portion. When you read through the Bible, there's a few people like this, isn't there? That will double portion kind of people. One of the people that I admire an awful lot in the scriptures is a guy by the name of Caleb. Caleb was the one who was the right-hand man of Joshua. After Moses died, Joshua was given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. They were faithful to God. Joshua and Caleb were, even when all the Israelites didn't believe that God could help them inherit the promised land. And Caleb is always there, always steady, always ready to go. In fact, I love that name, Caleb, so much that if I would have had a son, I would have named him Caleb. But God didn't give me a son, so you can use it if you want. I didn't get to, okay? They inherit the promised land. Now listen, there's seven enemy nations that are all bigger and badder and more powerful than they are. They've got to take all those nations on. And they begin to win one battle after the other after the other. And now they've got some territory and they're beginning to occupy most of the promised land. Caleb now is 85 years old. This is why I love this guy so much. He's 85 years old and there's no quitting him. He comes to Joshua and says, you know what? We haven't defeated the hill country. Give me the hill country. Which is the most difficult to defeat? The valley or the hills? The hills. They're in an advantage when you're going up to attack them. He says, give me the hardest assignment. Give me the most difficult task. You know what I, I found to be true? is that There are a lot of Christians who talk more about what they once did than what they're currently doing. You get around some of the old timers and they say, oh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we did this, that, and the other. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. I'm going to feel. What are you doing today? When your memories of the past outdistance your plans for the future, you're already dead. 
when your memories of the past outdistance your plans for the future, you're already dead. Your body just doesn't know it. At age 85, he said, as long as there's breath in my body, I want the most difficult assignment, the most difficult task. Caleb was the kind of guy who said, I want a double portion of the Lord. I think about Jabez in the midst of this long passage of Scripture in the Old Testament where it's one name after another name after another name. We find the prayer of Jabez. And what does he pray for? He says, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Now, people read that and they think that's a health and wealth prosperity gospel right there, right? That verse of Scripture is all about bless me, bless me, bless me. No, that's he, he's looking for more influence, friends. This isn't Jabez saying, oh, God, give me more stuff. Give me more material possessions. You know what he's saying? Give me more influence, Lord, and increase my territory so I might stand for you. I might make a difference for you, that I might be a blessing to somebody else along the way. God, use me in a way I've never been used before. You pray prayers like that? Are you asking God to do something incredible in your life? Here's your homework assignment if you choose to accept it. I want you to go home and I want you to answer these questions. We'll put them on the screen here for you. You can take a picture of them if you like. I'll smile. If you dare... Before you put your head on your pillow tonight, just find a quiet moment or two and be truthful about these questions. Question number one, what has your life's work been about? Number two, who was made a better person because of you? Who's closer to God because of you? Who has a relationship with Jesus because of you? I want names. What kind of impact have you made with your one shot at life? How about this one? What were the three biggest events that happened because of you? And the fourth one. How would the world be different because of you? And let's not talk about the world. Let's just talk about your slice of it where you live, where you breathe, where you work, how would it be different because you existed? Do you have the courage to answer those four questions? Because I did, and I didn't like my answers. There's so much more that could be accomplished. There's so much more that could be leveraged. And so I'm reading this story, and I'm thinking about Elisha, and he says, I just want a double portion of the Lord. I'm not even sure I would even come up with that. And that's humiliating to admit. And that should be convicting to every one of us. Why in the world do we think we're here? To, to build your business? To, to put another car in it? To fatten your bank account? I mean, those are nice things to have, but hardly a reason for one's existence. No, we leverage everything we are for all that he is. You know what I've been praying for? I've been praying that God would disturb us. You know what I found to be true is there's only two times when people choose to change, when they have to and when they want to. 
That's when people change, when they have to change and when they want to change. And this message is going to be convicting. This message is going to be compelling. For some of you, are going to say, I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to turn this TV off, and I'm going to go make some changes. I want a double portion of the Lord. But if you don't want it, and if you don't have persistence behind it, nothing's going to change that's why sometimes God has to bring circumstances in our life to where we only rely upon him because that's the only time we'll ever do it. Sometimes he has to put us at a dead-end, desperate spot for us to come to our senses and say, all the stuff of the world doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you. Loving you, serving you. Oh, God, I want a double portion. Disturb us. Disturb us in our marriages, for we become settled. We fight like we don't even know Christ. We treat each other poorly. We're not soulmates, we're roommates. We rarely read the Bible together. We rarely pray together. Oh, God, disturb the marriages that are here. That they might want something greater. Disturb us in our jobs. May we realize that we're there for something more than just making a paycheck. But that we're to make a difference in the lives of the people that we work with every single day. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Disturb us at our schools. Middle school student, high school student, college student. There'll never be a day you're surrounded by more people who don't know Jesus than right here and now. What are you doing about it? Disturb us. In 1577, Sir Francis Drake became one of the first humans to circumnavigate the world. Just before his ship sailed, he prayed the following prayer. Disturb us, O Lord, when we're too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we dream too little. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, O Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and push us in the future, in strength, in courage, in hope, and in love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. Let me ask you another question. What are you expecting God to do in your life? Do you have any great plans with him? Any great goals with him? Any way that you want him to stretch you and move you and motivate you so you might be a blessing to someone else, so you might change the circumstances of someone else, be used by God in a way you've never been used before? What are you expecting God to do? And if you're not expecting anything, that's probably why you're not seeing anything. But if you'll expect great things from him, I believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than anything you've ever dreamed or imagined. It's just we don't pray for a double portion. We don't pray for a double portion of his spirit. Let me ask, let me ask you another question. Anybody sick of my questions? Just raise your hand if you're sick of my questions. I'm sick of my questions too. I hate my questions. Here's the next one. You ready? What's the most difficult challenge you face in your life today that's for the kingdom of God? I hate these questions. What dream, what project, what ministry is God asking you to rise up and give your life to? Do you have anything? No wonder we're so bored. 
No wonder the version of Christianity that I've seen in America and in Belize is so wishy-washy and so watered down. We don't expect great things. We don't make great plans. We don't pray big prayers. And then we wonder why there's not more to the Christian faith because we just sit around watching TV. Watching TV, streaming shows on the Netflix, playing games on the phone, playing with the Snapchatty. It's easy to ignore the Spirit of God that's prompting you for something more. It's easy to come up with one excuse after another as to why God could never use you in a significant manner, in a significant way. It's easy to think that comfort is the pursuit of life. And comfort leads to boredom. Boredom leads to complacency. Years ago, I took my family to the Disneyland. I love the Disneyland, but it's very expensive now. The Disneyland, the Disney World, I bet you've been there maybe once in your lifetime. Did you, did you ride the It's a Small World? How many have ridden It's a Small World? Just ready. Oh, yeah, there's been a bunch of us riding that stupid ride, I tell you what, right there. It's the worst ride, isn't it? It's a 15-minute ride. I had my kids. At the time, Cammie was about four years old. And we would let the kids pick what they wanted to ride next, which was a huge mistake. And so Cammie, at four years old, every time it was her turn to pick, she would say, I want to ride it. It's a small world. Oh, so okay. So you know, you know the ride, right? You ride in this boat, and you go from one culture to another, and they sing It's a Small World in several different languages. Just little kids. It's a small world, after all. It's a small world, after all. It's a small world, after all. It's a small world. Sounds like munchkins. I get that, but that's what I got in my head, all right? That's what it is. So the first time around, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cute. This is clever. That's, that's imaginative. I think that's, that's really nice. And the second time around, it was a little bit obnoxious. You know, I'm like, oh, I've heard this before. For 15 straight minutes, I'm going to hear it again and again and again and again and again. And then the third time, I wanted to jump out of the boat and swim out of that stupid small world. Do you understand what I'm talking about right now? If you're not careful, you're going to let your small world ruin your life. Because you don't believe God can do great things and you certainly don't believe that God can do something significant in your own life. Guess what? It's just going to be a small world and you're going to lead a quiet life of frustration. And most people do. And then they get to their deathbed because very few people die quickly. And they look back and it's too late to change anything. And they have regret. I wish I'd have prayed more faith-filled prayers. I wish I would have taken more risk. I wish I would have taken my relationship with Jesus more seriously. I wish I was a bigger blessing in the lives of other people. But when I look back on my life, it was all about me. I don't want to get to that bed. I want to say that I gave it my all every moment of every day. That I gave my best to my marriage. I gave my best to my kids. I gave my best to my friends. I gave my best to my job. I did my very, very best. 
And I didn't let the voices in my head tell me that I was less than. I want to stand before Jesus one day and say the only thing I ever wanted was a double portion of you. And friends, here's the good news. If you haven't been living your life that way, if you're not dead, you're not done. You can still pray a dangerous prayer. You can say, God, disturb me. Disturb me. Move something within me that wants something greater than I've ever had before. Move me to change, to be a double portion kind of a person. Now listen, you're going to change if you want to or if you have to. Most of you, you don't have to. You don't find yourself in that situation where you find that the only thing that you have is God and that's more than enough. No, you're in, a, you're in a want to scenario. So do you want this? And if you say, you know, I really do want this, I'm going to tell you the next thing that's going to happen to you. If you say in your heart of hearts, I want to be a double portion spirit person, the next thing that's going to happen is the voices in your head that tell you that you're less than. It's the voices in your head that try to give you one excuse after another as to why God could never use you in this manner. This is what you're going to be up against. What you say versus what God says. See if you can relate to any of these. You say, I'm always worried and I'm always frustrated. But God says, cast all your cares on me because he cares for you. So when the worry and the frustration and the anxiety plague you, will you cast it upon him? You say, I can't do it. I don't have the stuff. Todd, I agree with everything you said. It's just that's for somebody else. That's for the more extraordinary person. I can't pull off a double portion spirit. God says, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. How about this one? You say, I can't figure things out. God says, I'll direct your steps. Of course, you can't figure it out. That's why you need a Savior. Someone to lead you and guide you and direct you. And don't you wish you'd have done this a long, long time ago? How about this one? Oh, this is so much fun. There's so many. You say, I'm too tired. God says, I'll give you rest. You say, nobody loves me. I feel alone. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Which one you want to listen to? You want to listen to the lies? Or do you want to listen to the truth of God's holy word? This whole week I've been working on this talk. And this whole week I've looked at my life and I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed with myself because somehow, someway, the fire that I once had that burned so brightly inside of me hasn't burned that brightly in a long time. So I got on my knees in my office and I said, God, from this day forward, I want a double portion. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to stretch me. I want you to help me. 
I want to get to the end of my life with no regrets. My prayer this week is that you'd pray the same thing. And then you'd show up every day with perseverance and with faithfulness. And you would seek him with everything you've got. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's easy to go complacent. It's easy to let comfort be the end-all goal. It's easy to show up to church or to watch it on TV or the stream. Let it go in one ear, out the other, to nod our head in agreement, say, boy, that's really who I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of difference I want to make. And then leave this place and nothing change. God, I pray that you'd burn a fire inside of us that would say, I want a double portion of the Lord. I want to be as close to you as the great heroes of the faith were close to you. I want to feel the breath, your breath on my face. I want to be stretched. I want to be used. I'm tired of complacency. I'm tired of boredom. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of listening to the lies. I just want you. Lord, give us the heart of David, who when he said, one thing I ask and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Lord, what could we do individually and what could we do corporately for you if we were just double portion kind of people? I pray, Lord, that we would never settle for anything less from this day forward. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.